chapter, Luke chapter 1. The great theologian and Hollywood actor John Wayne one time said that courage is being afraid but saddling up anyhow. I think we all know what it is in life to have occasions when stress or anxiety or fear has come and, and we've pressed on nonetheless. We've also had times where we've been afraid and because of that we cease to go ahead. I remember the time when God put on my heart the desire to come here to start a church and uh, that, that uh, desire was clear from my perspective, understanding what I believe God would have me to do, but it was problematic. In fact, it was absolutely filled with problems because God was asking me to do something that I didn't know how to do. I'd never started a church before. He was asking me to come to a place where I didn't know anything about it and to work with people I hadn't met yet. And I saw a lot of reasons why God's will was a bad idea. It brought fear to my heart. But nonetheless, as God began to work, I realized this. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. And I learned that in the midst of all of that, I could be invigorated and motivated and excited about all that God had for me, knowing that He would provide along the way. I'm enjoying my 13th Christmas at Coastline Baptist Church this year. I'm still motivated, I'm still fired up, I'm still excited, and I still deal with fears along the way. And You see, God has a way of taking these fears and allowing them to be occasions where our faith can be built and developed. Occasions where we can move forward as they come crowding in. And that really is the story of the life of Mary. She knew what fear was all about. She knew what it was to have what we might call anxiety and wonder how is this all going to work out. She knew what uncertainty was. She knew also that when fear fills our heart that there are some truths from God that can allow us to move ahead. She came to understand that God is greater. He's greater than uncertainty. He's greater than the unknown. God is greater than fear. You see, Mary knew what Paul told us in, in 2 Timothy 1.7, that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We're in the midst of a series. We're just two weeks into it. I guess we're not quite in the middle of it, but we're in the midst of a study on, on the occasions in the Christmas narrative when the angels came on the scene. Four different times, as you study the Christmas story, the angels showed up, and each time they arrived, they brought a message. And their message was not reserved just for the person to whom they were speaking, it's for all of us. And each time their message could be summed up in words like this, be not afraid, don't be scared, it's going to be okay. And they brought truths to their listeners that are relevant for us today, and we come to an occasion in our text this morning where they came to Mary. It was a time where there was fear in her life, yet it was a time where Larry, uh, Mary rather learned some truths and exhibited those truths. We can be helped. If you're able, I'm going to invite you to join me in standing today as we read the text together. Now, as we open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, uh, this is a familiar text, especially when we think of the Christmas story. I found many times when we come to familiar texts of the Bible, we take for granted we've just squeezed them of all the truth they possess, all right? And I'm going to invite you today to join me in looking at this text as though we haven't seen it before. We'll begin in our study, Luke chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading today in verse 26. The Bible says this, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. 
And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now we're going to read on, but I want you to take note in verse 28, uh, the angel said, Hail, thou art highly favored. Highly favored. Then in the end of verse 30, the point is made, it's reemphasized, Hey, you have found favor with God, Mary. Let's go on to verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he is. And shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. When it comes to these words we've read this morning, there's a lot that that we could study. Uh, Just the words that the angel gave in expressing who it is that Christ would be and what it is that Christ would do, there's much to be gained there, but that's, that's not really the purpose of our study today. I want us to, to take a look. What is it that Mary learned? What is it that she discovered in the midst of a time of fear that would be of, of benefit to us as well? And there's, there's much. Now, I want you to go with me, please, to the midst of verse 30. We'll find the center for what we're going to talk about today. The midst of verse 30. Here it is. The Bible says this. Fear not, Mary. Fear not. There's much in that for us today. Our Father, thank you for your love for us, for the Bible that we can read and study. And and Lord, I pray now that you would open our hearts. May each of us really invest in this study so that we can glean all the good things you have for us. We ask this prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you were asked who your best friend in all the world is, I wonder how you would respond. I've been blessed. I thank God for some good friends in my life. And one of the very best friends I have in all of the world is my oldest brother, Paul. I have two brothers. They're both my friends. But, but for sake of the illustration this morning, I, I want to share with you a little bit about my, my brother, Paul. You might think you should be good friends with your brother. You should know them very well. You were raised with them. But the fact of the matter is, I wasn't raised with my brother Paul. When I was seven years old, my brother left the house to go to college. And not only did he leave the house to go to college, I was living in a completely different country than him. 
And so there's this great disparity in our ages, and there was the great geographic distance that separated us. And so for many years, I, I, I loved my brother. We'd get together at holidays, but I didn't have an opportunity to foster that typical close relationship that you might expect with brothers. Well, as the years passed and as we both uh, were grown, we had an opportunity to get to know one another much better. And, and then when, when God led us to this place, my brother also is a pastor, and we had that in common, and we had the opportunity to get to know one another even better. And I have to tell you that one of the greatest blessings in all of my life is the friendship that I share with, with my brother. But when I got to know him as an adult, I, I thought, I would see some things in his life. I expected, based on some things I knew about him, to, to know him already. I knew that he had been married for some time and had what seemed to be a strong marriage. He had children that were being raised that seemed to be well-balanced and adjusted children. He, he had a very large church. He, he was the president of a college. He'd written many books. I expected to find in him a, a, you know, a, a type A, highly driven, energetic, decisive type of a man. And he was all of those things. But I was also surprised at some of the things I found in his life. Although he was good at making decisions, I found that he was much more thoughtful than I would have expected him to be. Many times what makes a great leader is just that, that they're, they know where they're going and they're in a hurry to get there. And that's what inspires us to, to follow leaders. But, but one of the downsides of strong leaders is sometimes there's a tendency to not be as merciful or as compassionate as you could be. And I was shocked to find that my brother was compassionate, merciful, and thoughtful, and somewhat introspective, and, and uh, more humble than I would have imagined. He was who I thought he was, but there was more to the picture than I knew. Over the years, I've had times, just like you have, where I've entered into relationships, and, and I kind of had a preconceived idea of what the person would be like when I got to know them. And many times, my preconceived ideas or notions were validated. The person was about what I thought they were, who I thought they were, and you've had those occasions as well. But we've also had times where we've gotten to know somebody and we were a little bit surprised when we got to know them well. I think as we approach the Christmas season, and specifically a, a character in the Christmas narrative like Mary, many times we have the idea that we already know her. She gets a lot of attention during the Christmas season, and, and sometimes I'm afraid she is mischaracterized. For those that deny the, the, the uh, veracity of Scripture, they would say that Mary's a fraud or immoral. There are others, however, that, that lift Mary above the realm of just regular human being, somewhere in the stratosphere of deity, and they, they try to elevate Mary to, to some higher standard than everybody else. And, and I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think that there were some deeper traits and more admirable traits that can be seen if we'll approach this relationship, so to speak, saying, God, what can you teach me from Mary today? Every time we find Mary in the scripture, there's something wonderful we can learn from her. If we were to take the time to turn to every passage in the Bible that tells us of Jesus' earthly mother, Mary, we'd find that she was committed to a life of purity. 
The Bible tells us twice in verse 27 and on in the text that, that Mary was a virgin. And the Bible was not just making the point that, that she was a virgin and that was commendable given her status in life, having not yet been married to Joseph. But the Bible's also making the point that for Jesus to be God the Son, His Father cannot be a human being. And so we're grateful to know that Mary was a woman who was committed to purity. She was morally clean. And when Jesus was born, his father was the Holy Spirit. He is God the Son. So we're grateful to know that she was committed to purity. The Bible would reveal to us that she was consecrated to a life of piety. And by that we mean she had given herself over to a life of duty and honor and integrity. Mary, she was someone that was faithful in her life to God. Near the end of the life of Christ, when he was on the cross, literally moments from death. When nearly all of his apostles had forsaken him and were gone, there was Mary. There was Mary. Jesus from the cross could look to John and tell John, essentially, take care of my mom. She was there. She had given her life over to, to doing the things that, that she felt God would have her to do. In fact, in the text we read today, she called herself the handmaid of the Lord. We see also that she was compliant to a life of productivity. You see, Mary had a will that was submissive to God. She longed to do only those things that God would have her to do, regardless of the cost. I don't know how I would have handled similar types of, of responsibilities that Mary received from God, but she did so in a heart that said, God, I want to do everything you would have me to do. I want my life to be all that you would have it to be. Like her son, she said, in essence, not my will, but thy will be done. So on one hand, she was an ordinary girl. If we were to have been walking in her hometown and seen her, I don't know that we would have been surprised at what we've seen. I don't know that she would have stood out from anyone else. But on the other hand, she was a deeply devoted follower of God who lived that life of integrity. And if we took the time to get to know her, we might be encouraged by what we would learn. What would we see in the life of Mary during a time of fear? What would we see in her life that encouraged her? As you follow along in your outline today, the first element we find in this text is the basis of acceptance. The basis of acceptance. I love the way the angel Gabriel opens his remarks. He, he approaches Mary and he says, Hail! Now, hail, that's not a, a typical way for us to greet people today. We don't say hail. We, we think of hail a cab, perhaps. But, but to use the word hail in that sense, it, it was a greeting. But I was curious, what does that word mean anyhow? So I got out a dictionary. I looked up the word hail. And according to the dictionary, the definition of the word hail is cheerful. I began to put that in context. The angel is saying cheerful. In our vernacular, we might say, I'm happy to see you. I'm glad to be in your presence. I'm glad that you're here. That word, hail, literally is a word that speaks of acceptance. If you stop by my office next week and you walk in, I said, hey, I'm so sad to see you today. I'd be saying, in essence, you're not accepted, all right? If you came by, and uh, I would say, and I would say this if you came by, hey, I'm glad to see you. Glad you're here today. How are you doing? Welcome. All of those things are words that would convey to you an acceptance on my part. And when the angel came to Mary, he said, hail. He was, he was conveying acceptance, but he went on to say this. Thou that art highly favored. You see that in the text? Thou that art highly favored. Now, all of those words in English come from just one Greek word. Thou that art highly favored comes from one word. 
And if I were to explain the word to you, if you were to take the word love in the New Testament and the word grace in the New Testament and cram them together, you would get the one word from which that statement comes from. We think of the word charity, and we think of the word charisma from which grace comes. If you were to put those together, you would get a charita. You would understand the meaning. What the angel Gabriel was saying to Mary is this. You're accepted. Let me share with you the basis of your acceptance. You have been highly favored. And it's of the love and grace of God that she was favored. Mary was accepted because God loved her and God extended his grace to her. And by the way, that is the only way any of us can be accepted by God. I was thinking about this this week and I think there's a love that is unique. And that's a love a parent has for a child. In most relationships, we meet somebody, we get to know them, we learn of them, we, we decide, I think I like them, and maybe if that grows, we could come to the point where we could say, you know, uh, somewhere along the way, I crossed the threshold of, of liking them, and, and now I love them. I've gotten to know them. With a child, it's much different. If you're a parent, uh, listen, the first time you saw that child, you had more love for them than you thought you were possible even of being able to give, okay? You didn't have to think about it, you didn't have to pray on it, you know? When you saw that child, you decided you loved them. You didn't even get to know them. But once you got to know them, you found out that they're irresponsible at both ends, right? You found out that they cry at all the wrong times. They make you to lose sleep. You know, as the commercial for Kaiser says, uh, they'll poop in their pants and on your pants, okay? I mean, babies will give you all kinds of trouble. In fact, you could say, I found reasons not to love them, but that's not the case. And I think the case could be made that you even love them more because as you get to know them, you're no longer in love just with the thought of having a baby. You're in love with that little baby and you're doing what's good for them and what's best for them. And when the Bible speaks of God's love and grace, we have to understand that his love and his grace always go together. Always. Grace, by definition, goes to the undeserving. Undeserving people. You can't pay for grace, that would make it a product. You can't earn grace, that would make it a reward. You can't steal grace, that would make it a crime. You see, God's love comes by way of His grace. And there's not one of us, including Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, who deserves grace. She learned in all of this that the basis of acceptance from God Almighty is His divine favor. It's His grace and His love that come to us and they're extended to us. What a comfort it is to know there's a God that has chosen of His own volition to love us and accept us. I mean that when we mess our diapers, so to speak, to use the analogy, He still loves us. When we pitch a fit, when we don't get our own way, He still loves us. When, when we're weak or when we're sick or when we disobey, He is still there. I bet if Mary painted a portrait of, of that nativity scene, as we call it, I think she might put a halo around the head of Jesus Christ. I think she would. I don't think she'd put one around her own head. Because as honorable and as good and as, and as godly and faithful as a woman as Mary was, she was a woman not unlike the rest of us in the sense that she was not perfect. She was a sinner. And Jesus Christ not only was her son, was her savior. And she learned the basis of acceptance is not any amount of good works that we do, but it's the love and grace of God. Mary is highly favored. And we today are highly favored 
by a God who still so loves the world. We see not only the basis of acceptance, we find in this text, if we'll just take a moment to look, the blessing of answers. The blessing of answers. Now the angel spoke with Mary. And the angel shared that she was going to be the earthly mother of the Son of God. His birth would come by way of the Holy Spirit. And her son Jesus would be the fulfillment of the promised one from God. Her son would be the Messiah. And if all of this seems a little bit strange, it would have been equally more so to Mary as she's taking all this in, trying to ingest all this information. And the angel's just pouring the information on. And in response to this announcement, Mary says this, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And that's a fair question. The angel's telling her all these things, and yes, Mary, how in the world is this going to be? Seeing I, I know not a man, that was a fair question. And, and as far as she knew, children only came by way of an act in which she had not yet participated, so she asked the question. Now, if you were here last week in our study, we looked at Zacharias, and an angel came to him, and he too asked the angel a question, but he was punished for his question. Did you know it's possible to question God? And that's very different than bringing a question to God. No, I'm not going to judge the heart of Zacharias. I don't know everything that was happening in his heart, but he asked a question. The angel said, that's it. You're done talking for a while. He, he was corrected, and uh, at the same time, he was helped. He received a lesson. But we find in this case that, that the angel tells Mary, listen, you're going to be the mom of God the Son. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And, and she's thinking, wait. How is this going to happen? I, I don't know a man. I've never been with a man. And so she asked the question, and in response to the question, she finds the blessing of answers. Mary's question was sincere. She simply wondered how this would come to pass. God, you want to use me? Wonderful, but I need to, need to know what, what it is that I need to do here. And in response, she learned that God gives answers that can serve as a blessing to us. And the angel went on to give more details that would heighten her understanding. You see, sometimes we get the idea that God has a problem when we have questions for him. Let me tell you, we serve a God who's got the answers. And frankly, he's not intimidated at all by our questions. We serve a God that's not going to be tricked by us if we throw him a curveball question. He's got it all figured out. And God, our heavenly father, he's a holy God who doesn't mind at all when we come to him. Not with a bad attitude, questioning him and his goodness and his love and his grace. But, but, but it's, he, he wants it when we come to him and say, God, I'm not questioning you. But I've got some questions here. I've got some questions. Nothing wrong with that. A friend once asked Isidore Rabi, a Nobel Prize winner in science, how he became a scientist. And he said, every day I'd get home from school and my mom would ask me, and you're thinking, did you learn anything in school today? I asked that question. Parents, that's a horrible conversation starter for kids, okay? No is what they say every time. Because if they say yes, then you're going to say what? And they know the drill. And, and that's not at all what his mom asked him. His mom would say this, did you ask any good questions at school today? And he said, I started asking good questions, and that led me to, uh, uh, to look to science, and that's what led him along his way. Asking good questions and having an inquisitive mind will help you glean answers that will bless your life. Now, that's not to say we're going to understand all of God's answers, and we're going to figure everything out. But God can direct us nonetheless. What can we learn from the questions that Mary asked and the responses that came? Well, we find in this process that questions and answers, first of all, require faith. 
If you come to God and ask a question with a heart of disbelief, an answer's not going to come. It just doesn't work that way. And so she came with faith. It, it required faith. She believed that God would do what he said, but she needed to know how it was going to work out in her life. Questions and answers require faith. Questions and answers reward faith. The reply that came from the angel revealed some things. They, they were a reward of sorts. Now, Mary asked the angel, how is this thing going to be? I, I don't know a man. And listen to what the angel said. Your cousin Elizabeth's going to have a baby. Now, that seems like totally unnecessary information. That's not what I asked you. That's not relevant to me. What difference does that make? But that made a big difference. You see, when she asked a question in faith, her faith was rewarded with a little tidbit of, of uh, information. It was an unintended positive consequence from her question. The angel was saying, in essence, Mary, I know what I'm telling you. It's, it's unusual and it seems impossible and you would think God could never do this. But because you've come to me in faith asking this question, I'm going to reward your faith by sharing with you that your cousin Elizabeth, who people would say is beyond the years of having children, she's expecting a child right now just to show you how powerful God is and how great God is. God can do the impossible. And when Mary had a heart of faith, she was rewarded with more faith. Can I ask you today, what are you doing with your faith? Sometimes we come to God in faith for salvation and then we have this latent faith that just sits around. It's not developed. It's not grown. We, we don't exercise it as we would a muscle that little unsought piece of information was a great reward to the heart of Mary. She would have never known to ask that question, to get that answer. But when she came in faith with a question, God said, I'll tell you what. You asked a good question, but let me give you a, an answer to an even better question. That'll help you. We see that questions and answers result in faith. Her question and corresponding answer helped her to grow. She learned, as, as is seen in verse 37, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Later, Jesus in Mark 10, 27 said this, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And so our faith is rewarded, but then our faith is, is, is developed, it grows. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God rewards when we are seeking in faith. He blesses. He encourages. He develops. He grows. You see, there was a seed of faith in her life that grew more and more and more as she learned. It was her faith that led her to faith. If you want a blessing in life, you need, to, you need to be the kind of Christian that says, God, I know you're at work today. I know you're in control. I know you have a plan that includes me. And God, I do have a question. Not questioning you, but how you're working in my life. What a blessing it is to know that when we have questions, we serve a God who has answers. Ask in faith, you'll receive in faith. James, the half-brother of our Lord, in James 1 and verse 6 says this, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Mary learned some things, didn't she? Our study is going to continue on next week. We've got to find a stopping place at some point in, in our study today. And I want us to consider the final element in, in our study today. Mary learned the benefit of agreement. 
someone were to ask you, what's the greatest moment in your whole life? It'd be kind of hard to boil it all down to one moment. I wonder what was the greatest moment in Mary's life. The greatest single moment. It'd be hard to tell, but I believe a case could be made that the greatest moment in the life of Mary was found in verse 38 in our text. When she says this, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. What a statement that was. Handmaid just means female servant. And so Mary, in response to this frightening, unusual experience in her life, she responds with a heart to God that says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. God, here I am. Behold me. Look upon me and find in me a servant of yours. God, I want to do whatever it is you want me to do. And she went on to say, as she continued, she said this, Be it unto me according to thy word. God, I want it to be as you would have it to be. What a great moment it is in life when we understand the benefit of agreeing with God. God, I'm your servant, she said. And I want my life to contain all you would have for it. She was saying, Lord, take me, break me, mold me, and make me. For I want to do thy will, O God. You see, the benefit of agreeing with God and his will is you get to know God better and you get to do his will, which is always best. One of the great experiences in my life was working for a man by the name of Andy Pike. I learned so much from him. Now, when you have a job, you kind of have an agreement. You're there for a prescribed amount of time, and you get X number of dollars based on how long you're there for how much you produce, and, and it's kind of a trade-off. You know, you don't often think of, uh, boy, I, I owe that guy or that guy owing me. It, it's just kind of a trade-off. But I've got to tell you, I've looked back on that time when I worked for Andy Pike, and I put in the time and produced, and he paid me, and I still owe him. He taught me so much. My life is better today because of things I learned from him. He was a boss when I worked at a company called ATI, Aperon Technology, and, and uh, uh, we, we had an understanding when I went to work for him. And here's what we both knew, we agreed on, and there was a blessing in all this agreement. Here's what we both agreed on. We agreed that I didn't know very much, okay? I knew that, and he knew that. We agreed I didn't know very much, okay? Here's what else we agreed on, that Andy knew a lot. And when we agreed on that, it gave us the capacity to come together. And in our relationship, all right, Steve, here's the basis. You don't know much. I know tons. And so what you need to do is just do a little bit more listening than talking. And you need to observe. And, and I'm going to help you succeed because as you succeed, it helps the company. And I, I don't mind at all investing in your life. Friends, I want you to know something. I can, from this moment in my life, look back. And I don't know that I can find a teacher in a classroom that did more for me than he did just teaching me how things work in life. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not the person I want to be today, but I'm a better person today than I would have been were it not for an opportunity to learn some of the things that came by way of an experience experience of a boss that took some time to teach let me tell you how it works with God we have to have this understanding that we don't know the way but he does and we have to come to this point where we're going to find an agreement God here's the agreement behold your servant I'm your servant you're the master be it unto me O God according to thy word whatever it is you would like to see in my life, that's what I want you to see in my life. God, I want to give myself to you. 
He comes to us in His grace and He extends His love and shares His purpose. There is a benefit in it all, but we must be willing to agree that God knows the way and we must be willing to follow that way. Job 23 and verse 10 says this, But He knoweth the way that I take. When He hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You know, we will all have time when our faith is tried and fear will emerge in our hearts. And in those times, we need to understand that God's at work. We need to be willing to follow him. And as we do, we're going to find that, as Job said, I'm going to come forth as gold. The idea is God can use those occasions, those fearful occasions, as occasions to build and polish our faith, so to speak. He's a great God. When we began our study, I mentioned that I think Mary would be a very different person than perhaps we would imagine. We sometimes forget that she would have been a scared young girl. Her life had been effectively turned upside down. It would never again not only be the way it was, it would never again have an opportunity at being the way she thought it would be. Her plans were totally changed. But we also find not just a frightened young girl, we find a valiant and courageous soul who responded to fear with bravery and faith. Now, I don't know what it is you're going through today, but if you have much sense at all, you struggle with fear. You know? And I don't know what it is that you would struggle with when it comes to fear or anxiety or stress or any of the rest of it. But Mary learned that that fear could be overcome through faith. And her faith wasn't in herself. It was in the God who's bigger than whatever it is that she was up against. And not knowing what it is you're up against, I can tell you this with all confidence. God's bigger. He's bigger. Mary went through this time. And we can see clearly there were some, there were some principles, some truths that could help. As we go through this season, let Christmas be all that God intends for it to be a it's an occasion, a season where we're reminded, be not afraid. Trust in God. Look to Him. God can let this be a season where we're reminded of the value of, of His work and, and faith. The angel said in essence, be not afraid, Mary. But God preserved this passage just so we can study it and learn. And I think we could say today, be not afraid, and you can fill in that blank with your name. Because that's why God saved this text. Not just so as historians we can study it, but so as people that go through things that bring fear to our lives, just like Mary went through. We can know what it is to draw close to God and find the comfort that comes by way of trusting Him. Father, we thank you today for this time to, to study these words. And Lord, there are many different things we could have looked to in this text, but just to take some time to stop and, and look to the life of Mary and discover what it is she heard and what she said and, and how you worked in it all. Lord, we're just thankful that you are a God of love. We think that you are a God that, that gives favor, love, and grace. And Lord... Uh, Really, we didn't come to church today just to sit down and get in on something to make us feel religious so we can get up and leave. We came to learn and grow 
And there's something you want all of us to learn today. Help us to open our hearts and by way of your spirit, I pray that we'd learn what that is. Build us. Draw us. Work in our hearts, we pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and we're going to be on our way shortly. Think of all the trouble God went through, not only to come into the world, but to make sure that we could have an accounting of his arrival as we read Luke's gospel. It's been for a couple thousand years now working in spite of people trying to get rid of the Bible. Many people have done that to to preserve it so we can study it. All of that because there's just good news in there that he wants us to know. He wants us to get a hold of. And there's something in this for all of us today, and it may look different for everyone here, but there's something in there for all of us. Maybe you're here today, you'd say, you know, Pastor, there was some merit in me getting out of bed and putting one foot in front of the other all the way into this place today. You'd say, Pastor, there was some value in the words that we studied today, in the the principles that were shared, some statements that were made. And in the privacy of this time, maybe you'd say, Pastor, there was some value in this Bible study for me and my life today, are there those who'd be willing just to lift a hand up as a testimony? Say, Pastor, there was some value in it all for me today. Numbers of hands. Thanks so much. Just about everybody. And that's wonderful. Specifically, what would it be for you? I couldn't tell you what that is, just as you couldn't tell me. It's good to know in general there was some value. It's better to know specifically. What specifically can can this message bring to my life? I wonder if you're here today and you'd say, you know, Pastor, you talked about the fact that even Mary had to respond to God's love and grace. And maybe you're here, friends, and... And what troubles you at times is the thought that someday life will be over. What then? In uncertainty as to our our standing with God or our relationship with Him. And and in the privacy of this moment now, and I wouldn't embarrass anybody or point anybody out, I wouldn't do that. But maybe you're here, you'd say, you know, pastors, I think on these things, the reality is I'm just not sure if I were to die today, I'd spend eternity in heaven. I'm, I'm not sure that I have that relationship with God that that'll last forever and and many, many have raised their hands already today, but maybe you'd say, Pastor, that, that's one way specifically this message spoke to me today. Are there those in the privacy of this moment you'd be willing just to lift up a hand and say, you know, that's something that's in my mind, in my heart at times. I'm not sure of, of, of my relationship with God in, in those words. I don't know if I were to die today, it'd last forever. Are there those this morning about a testimony just lifting up a hand real quick? Pastor, that's where I'm at. That's, that's what's in my heart today. Maybe there are other decisions. Perhaps the Lord is prompting you to follow him in believer's baptism. And certainly that's something that he asks of people of faith to do. Maybe the Lord is prompting you to unite with the church family by way of membership. There's many, many others. But the point I'm making is this. What is it that you believe the Lord's prompting you to do? And would you respond to that? Would you have the heart that says, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word? I want to do what you want me to do.
we're going to have a time that we call a time of invitation. And we're going to have some folks in the front, men and ladies, with their copy of God's Word, the Bible. And, and, uh, and then we're going to sing a song. And, and if you want to re- respond and spend a moment in prayer, I'd invite you to do so. Jesus said that his house should be a house of prayer. The front of a church is called an altar, a place of prayer and decision. If you'd like to pray with someone, they're available. If you want to pray alone, that's fine. If you have a question about a spiritual decision or some uh, issue in your life that uh, you'd like to talk to someone about, let's not come and go the same. Let's not just punch our spiritual time card, our our spiritual to-do list and say we went. Let's say, Lord, I, I came because I know you've got something for me in all of this. And let's take some time just to think on that. Would you be so kind as to join me in standing once again, please? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Music's beginning to play. Brother Ryan's going to lead us in a song today called I Surrender All. As he begins to sing, if you know the words, sing along. Maybe today as you think on all this, you say, you know, there's something for me in this Christmas season. Be not afraid was the message of the angels. That's a good message for me. As the singing begins, if you know the words, sing along. But if God's touched your heart, let's do business with him at this time.